def, uh, it's definitely you're very far north in Copenhagen, so the you do get a lot of sunshine in the mm. summer. So it was weird to wake up to the sun, like like I would be. The sun doesn't really set until like midnight. Midnight. Like it, like close to midnight. I can't remember exactly the time, oh but it was gosh. like really late. I'm like it's still kind of bright out, and then I remember. <laughs> I was laying in bed, and I was like, the sun was coming up. I'm like, what time is it? And it was 4 o'clock. I was like, I'm going to go back to bed. Why is it so bright already? Hello, hello. Welcome to Young Gifted and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Kevin as the guest. I'm also really excited to talk to you today because this is the final episode of 2018. This is it. This is the last episode of Young, Gifted, and Abroad that you will hear in this year, 2018. We'll definitely be back in January, um, but I'll talk about that at the end of this episode. For now, we are focused on Kevin. So Kevin is a friend of Irene from episode four, Um, my friend Irene Lee, whom I mentioned at the beginning of last week's episode. um, She was really instrumental in putting me in touch with uh, Megan, who was last week's guest. Um, And Irene was gracious enough to do the same in putting me in touch with Kevin. So once again, thank you so, so much, Irene. Now, Kevin studied abroad in Copenhagen as an undergraduate student. He received a sustainability fellowship, which allowed him to um, go to Copenhagen to study urban planning and renewable energy systems. I'll let him explain all that (laughs) instead of me, because a lot of that is still uh, way over my head. But um, we had a really nice discussion. And beyond his academic pursuits, um, Kevin's time in Europe really uh, solidified for him that he could handle things and he is able to be independent when he needs to be. And that, uh, in a way, influenced certain life decisions that he's made in recent years, which you'll also hear about. Um, And I, overall, I just really hope that you enjoy our conversation. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Kevin Chung. There we go. Um, are you still eating your yogurt? You don't have to rest. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> it's very decadent. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> well, good. That's good. You have to uh, feed yourself. That's very, very important. So I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, um, thank you for... I'm sorry. Ooh, okay. <laughs> thank you for agreeing to be a guest on this podcast. Uh, it's really nice to meet you. Um, I'm really glad that Irene was able to put us in touch with each other. Um, yeah, nice. So I guess, why don't we start with you introducing yourself, if you don't mind? Sure. So hi, my name is Kevin Chung. Um, I am an alumni of the University of Michigan Ann Arbor. I graduated in 2015. And I studied abroad in 2014, summer. I uh, went abroad to Copenhagen, Denmark. Hmm. Cool. That's really cool. I don't hear about a lot of people traveling to Denmark in general, so it's cool you, you got to go there. 
Um, I didn't realize you were from Michigan. I should have assumed that. Because Irene mentioned something to me about you having moved out to Washington State. And mm-hmm. kind of how you didn't really... Like, you kind of went out on a limb just to see how things will work out. And you're still there now. But I didn't think to consider, like, oh, where was he coming from? Oh, probably from from Michigan, you know. Um, <laughs> how has it been going for you so far, being in, in Washington now? Um, it's definitely been a big change. I've been here for just over three years now. And I don't really know if I had, like, a set plan when I first moved here at all. But... Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not where I imagined myself being Hmm. when I first moved here. And not necessarily in a bad way. I think just in a way that is kind of like one of those unexpected ways that life will unfold after college and trying to figure out, like, where am I going to land? How am I going to get on my feet? Yeah. Um, But otherwise, it's it's, it's been a nice change. I was recently back in Michigan, like, last week, and I got a taste of the winters in Michigan, and I realized that I don't really miss that part of living in Michigan, so (laughs) I'm fine being back here now in Washington with my mild winters. (laughs) Right. It's welcome change. Um, Well, I'm glad that things have been going uh, pretty well for you so far out in in Washington. Um, So you went to Copenhagen, right? how did that come about? Was that something you had to do for your degree, or um, was there a program there that you liked, or did you have a desire to go to that place specifically? Yeah, that's a great question. It was kind of a mixture of different things about what put me in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, I think around my sophomore year of college, I got accepted to the Sustainability Fellow Program. And one component of that program was a scholarship funding to do an international experience. Okay. Like, that could be, like, an internship or a study abroad experience, but, like, the scholarship was for doing something related to sustainability while abroad. Mm. And so I had that in my mind, like, okay, I need to find a program abroad related to that. I did want to study abroad. Um, and just looking at programs that were available... I just saw a really nice program that I thought would be really interesting in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have any target destination, but it just seemed like it would be a, a, a good program based on what I'm interested in, but also to satisfy what the requirements are for the support. Okay. And had you traveled outside of the country prior to this? Prior to studying abroad, I had... I would go to Canada a lot because I grew up in southeast Michigan, so it was, like, super close to drive over to, like, Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I'd been to Canada countless times. Um, but other than that, I had been to Paris for a week in high school, mm-hmm. for, like, a high school class trip. And then I had been to Guatemala for a week as well in college. Okay. So you had traveled a bit before... Um, before going to Copenhagen. Um, yeah. Okay. And how how long was this program? What was the like the program you ended up going with? What was that program about? So I did a third party program instead of one that was offered by the university, mm-hmm. and I ended up taking like two classes because each class was three weeks. So I was there for a total of six weeks. Okay. Um, 
the first class I took was called Livability in the Modern City. It was kind of an urban design course. Mm-hmm. And the second class that I took was Renewable Energy Systems. Okay. And you're there for six weeks. So, okay, in the summer. So, when you... So, like, leading up to it, were you, like, excited? Like, in your mind, was this something that, like you said, this is part of the... Um, was it the fellowship that you mentioned? Yeah. So was this something that you were just thinking about, you know, this is something I'm doing that is part of my program? Um, or were you also, like, particularly excited to go to Copenhagen as well? Um, I guess I'm wondering what, what was the draw for you leading up to it? Like, what were you looking forward to the most? Sure. I think I was really looking forward to being somewhere where, like I could learn and see things that I just wouldn't be able to see back in Michigan or anywhere in the U.S. Because mm-hmm. I was really, and I still am, like I'm, I was studying a lot of urban planning and sustainability, and Copenhagen just kind of kept coming up as like a really great intersection of both of those fields. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like on the one hand, it was like, okay, like with a busy academic career, I've got to find time to fit this in. So it was like, Right, checking the boxes, got to do the study abroad program. Mm-hmm. But, like, fortunately, I was also super excited for this program just to go to such like a beautiful city for six weeks and to be able to study things that I was genuinely really interested in in a place that would offer me so much that I would not be able to learn at the classroom back in Michigan. Mm. Yeah. And what about you mentioned that like Copenhagen kept coming up in terms of like the 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 different aspects that you you were interested in learning more about. Is there something specific about Copenhagen or Denmark in general that lends more to that field? Um, Denmark, I mean, it's it's just such a smaller country, so the things that can happen in Denmark culturally and practically are so different than what can happen in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been able to do a lot more in the field of sustainability and renewable energies. Um, but also, like, being such an old city with a different city plan mm. has is just so different than what I would be able to find anywhere in the U.S. and how they've been able to have s- most commuting take place on bikes instead of cars or even buses, for that matter. Mm to have just such a different lifestyle, I think was something that's very unique to Copenhagen being one of the bike capitals of the world. Mm, Okay. Interesting. And so when you were there, um, what was your living arrangement? Were you in a dorm or in an apartment or maybe an Airbnb since it was kind of a shorter period of time, you know? Yeah. The the third party program I went on, um, they did a lot to help, make all the arrangements for the student participants, which I thought was really helpful just in terms of, because it was such a short program mm-hmm. that it would be not, it wouldn't be practical for all these students to try and find apartments for such a short period of time. Yeah. So they had these like contracts with the, um, a couple different like student housing apartment buildings. I don't, they're not really student apartments. They were called collegiums. So it was kind of like a mixture of a dorm, but college apartment. Mm. So like kind of like a really pared down apartment 
made affordable for student housing, okay. but yeah. not quite like a dorm where you have like an RA or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, so thankfully, like the housing part, they they took care of all that for us. So I, we didn't have to worry about finding housing during the program. Mm. I think they had some actual like nice apartments that the program owned. And if you're lucky or if you're there for like a really short time, they might put you there. But I got put into like a, one of those collegiums that were okay. a little further out of the city. Gotcha. And so did you each have your own room or were you paired with uh, another student that was there? I was paired and most for my building, it was a shared studio. Mm. So no privacy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And since this is a third-party program, were were most of the students there from the U.S. or was it a mixture? Um, it was it was all U.S. students. It was like a third-party program for okay. American students, okay. but it was all over the country. So I, I I think there ended up being maybe three or four other students from the University of Michigan that was on the same or on the program with me mm-hmm. uh, and other classes that were offered, but. Really, it was all all over the country, whether they go to big state schools or smaller liberal arts colleges. It was was such a mixed bag. Okay. And, okay, so while you're there as part of this fellowship, I don't really, like, um, sustainability, urban planning, and all that, that's, like, way over my head. I don't even know how you go about studying that. I know, like, it's a thing. I understand that, but it's just not, like, my... um, Mm -hmm. I... I, I don't know anything about that field at all. So, like, when you were there, were you in class every day? Were you doing research? Like, what was your day-to-day like while you were in Copenhagen? Yeah. The, the, so, as I mentioned, I had done two separate courses. Mm-hmm. So, it was, like, the first three weeks was one course. The second three weeks was the other course. Right. And for the first course, it was a little less structured. Like, we would have class in the morning and then the afternoon would be like, we'd either go on a field trip somewhere with the whole class, or we might do an independent field field study with an assignment. Mm. Um, but that class definitely integrated or allowed for us to have enough time to get our own hands on the city and to explore on our own and be able to take our own explorations out as we reflect on what we've been learning in the classroom and, and the readings in the classroom. The second class that I took was way more rigid and academic with, like, longer class periods and lengthier homework assignments. We still did do some, like, field visits and field trips, but it was much more structured. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess that has to do with, like, your your own personal learning style. Like, did you have a preference between the two classes? Um, being that one was more rigid and another, the other one, the first one was not so much. I mean, I definitely understand why some people have that whole idea of, like, study abroad. Is it, like, do you actually study while you're studying abroad? Because some <laughs> programs are, like, a little bit more relaxed. Right. They know that, you know, this might be one of the few times you're able to travel internationally, so you don't want to overpack your workload. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Like, I really appreciated that my first class kind of allowed for that to happen. Like, I still learned a good amount. And I think just based on the course content, studying, like, 
studying a city, one of the best ways to study the city is to explore the city. And yeah. so having that kind of free time was, I think, really beneficial to my learning. Whereas the second course was all about renewable energy systems, which is a little bit more technical and needing to study that made sense in the classroom. Yeah. And having only three weeks is not a lot of time to study. So I can understand why, like, you know, trying to make sure that it's worth the time that, you know, this is an academic course. We are getting academic credit for it. Mm-hmm. But you have to do the work to get that credit. Yeah. And, okay, so for... I mean, granted, you were only there for six weeks, but I mean, you were you were there, right? You were living there, yeah. Doing, going about exploring the city for your um, for studies for your studies, but also I'm sure for leisure as well. Like, what is Copenhagen like? I don't know any for someone like me who's mm-hmm. not familiar with uh, Denmark or who's not familiar with Copenhagen at all. Uh, like, what? I mean, what is it like? Did you have um, any like first impressions when you got there, or any last or lasting impressions that you remember? Yeah, I mean, it's there's it's hard to like succinctly describe a city. Right. I think like <laughs> um, I think it kind of melds very well into a lot of people's impressions of Scandinavia in general, the whole region hmm. being um, a little bit more expensive very clean, um, population somewhat fairly homogenous. Uh, it is, you know, these are small countries. Denmark is a small country. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, it's still a nice mixture of modern architecture, a very contemporary city with what it has to offer, but also has very old and ancient things there. Yeah. Uh, castles from the 1500s that still stand. Um, I think one of the biggest things that people will notice about Copenhagen is the amount of bikes Mm. that are in the city, because it is one of the bike capitals, kind of like Amsterdam has a lot of people on bikes. Um, Just the number of people, like the bike lanes are massive. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of cars, and most people are like on the sidewalks in the bike lanes, parks like the, there's much more thriving public space life than what you would find in in the United States yeah. um, it's def, uh, it's definitely you're very far north in Copenhagen so the you do get a lot of sunshine in mm-hmm. the summer so it was weird to wake up to the sun like like I would be the sun doesn't really set until like midnight. Midnight? Like, it, like, close to midnight. I can't remember exactly the time, oh but it was, gosh. like, really late. And I'm like, it's still kind of bright out. And then I remember <laughs> I was laying in bed, and I was like, the sun was coming up. I'm like, what time is it? And it was 4 o'clock. I was like, I'm going to go back to bed. Why is it so bright already? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, okay, I remember learning in, like, elementary school or middle school that there are places that if they're far enough up north then during the summer like there are some places where the sun just doesn't go down during the summer and then in winter it's just dark all the time so so Copenhagen is like one of those places where you get like 
you know, a lot more sunlight hours in the wintertime than you might be used to, like, in the States somewhere. Right. Wow. Wow. A lot of sun. What was that like for your sleep schedule? <laughs> uh, it was very confused for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, I had to get used to that because I was like, well, you know, it's nighttime, but it was still bright out and you can still do things. I'm like, yeah, it's, just, it's weird. I mean, I would think like if it's bright out at nine o'clock in the States, I'm like, wow, it's so bright out still. But <laughs> I'm like, eh, still got a couple hours. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. That's like, <laughs> oh my goodness, wow, wow. So, I mean, I don't know what you did in your spare time, like for your leisure, but since it stays bright so much later, I mean, is there like a more robust nightlife because people can be more naturally inclined to to be outside? Um, does that have any effect? Yeah. I don't know if it's any more robust than other areas, but there was a thing where it's like, you know, you can kind of stay out until the sun rises because it's not that late. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I did that once where it was like 4 a.m. and I'm coming back home and the sun's already rising. Mm. And I'm like, hmm, I made it till the sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's yeah. a thing. Um, I think it, it just helps get more people out in public. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people would hang out in parks that are like, you know, sit along the bridge or sit along the canals and have some beers or hang with their friends. Like, it, it just made being outside much easier. Mm. It wasn't too hot either. It was fairly, like, you know, 60s was as hot as it got in the summer. So it was just a very pleasant time to just enjoy the summer outside. Yeah. It was, you know, fair weather, good amount of sunshine, just enjoying, like, this wonderful city with everyone else in it. Yeah. That's so interesting. I could just like, I'm just thinking like how much more I could do or how much more time I could spend outside if I had that much extra sunlight, you know? Right. Um, or daylight rather. That's wow. That's so cool. That is so cool. Um, So, uh, so you were there with like other students in your classes or in your in your um, collegium? Is that what you said it was called? I'm sorry, what was that the collegium? Is that your yes. living? Okay, so um, I guess I'm wondering how did you? I mean, did you were you able to get along well with the fellow students that you interacted with on a daily basis? Did you happen to make any friends, or was everybody kind of just focused on their own thing while they were there? Um, I think, like, most people in the program were, like, they were happy to meet other people, so mm-hmm. I was able to get along with a lot of the people. Like, we had programmed to sponsor some, like, social events for everyone, whether, like, in your class or um, in your living arrangement, so I, I did get along with most people. I didn't quite get along with my roommate, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, it wasn't, like, a terrible thing, but it was, like, mm, this could could be a better situation mm-hmm. um but otherwise like i i was i actually really enjoyed meeting some people i've made some good friends from there that i've been able to meet up with um even still now that i will keep in touch with yeah um, so I, I, I appreciate having been able to meet people that way yeah so and i've obviously this the program you were in was in english um, all the students that were there with you were from the U.S. Um, 
would you say it's fairly easy to get around day to day um not knowing danish if you're in copenhagen oh yeah totally they ever because denmark is such a small language and they do a lot in terms of the cultural preservation and maintaining the danish identity but Mm -hmm. they also recognize that it's very impractical to assume that other people will learn danish Mm -hmm. so danes are bilingual they learn english as part of the normal curriculum so everyone will speak english if you speak english to them so it's the most difficulty might be like wayfinding in terms of trying to like pronounce what street you're looking for Mm -hmm. but otherwise talking to anybody at a restaurant or wherever like they will it it's easy around easy to get around okay and were you mainly um obviously you were based in the city did you get to go out to other parts of denmark while you were there um, I did do a few little, like, weekend trips with some people, mm-hmm. the program. Um, so Denmark has, like, three major islands. So we went um, once up the same island to uh, one of the castles mm-hmm. there. Um, I didn't explore as much around Denmark, but I did take a weekend trip to Geneva mm. as well as a weekend trip to Berlin. Okay. And how was that? It was nice. I mean, it it was Geneva was nice for me because it was like I did it as like a spontaneous solo trip by myself. Like mm. I found really good airfare to go to Geneva, so I just booked a, a hostel and looked up a couple of things to do. But just decided like I'll just go fly out, spend two days in Geneva, and fly back to class because it it wasn't that far away for me. Mm-hmm. And, and same with Berlin, I went with a friend, and that was also just a really nice experience just to see what else is around. Yeah. Had you, when you went to Geneva, um, had you done something like that before in terms of, like, solo travel, where you just go somewhere by yourself and just, you know? That, okay. No, okay. I mean, whenever I travel, or my preference for traveling is always with, like, a small group. I'm not one to go with like a large group of friends mm-hmm. or anything usually like one or two other people that I'll go with and I think that was I think that was my first explicit like solo international travel mm-hmm. um, I figured it was like it was just a weekend so it wasn't and wasn't like terribly long mm-hmm. and I wanted to go there because I studied French and so I thought that would be a good time for me to practice French as well so mm-hmm. it wasn't too risky where I would be completely lost. I could use my language skills to get me around. Yeah. So I, I thought it was actually like exhilarating to be there by myself. Nice. Were you able to practice your friends? Did that go? I was. Well? <laughs> I was. It went really well. I. Um, it was. It's just fun to like see. I think like one of the things I find whenever I travel alone is that because I'm not talking to my friend in English, people don't assume that I'm American mm-hmm. necessarily. Yeah. Or they don't, or they might, because when I'm with a friend and, and speaking English, like at a restaurant, for example, the wait, like the waiter would come and speak to us in English. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I just enter a restaurant by myself, I can just start speaking in French and they just assume that I'm like from the area or live in the city. So they can just talk to me as though I was just, a local, yeah. and I think I really appreciate having that experience to 
in a way blend in to see what it would be like to to mm-hmm. be there and not have this like expectation where I'm I'm setting myself up as like a tourist. Yeah, yeah. And allowing for such a different interaction with people there. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was in um, when I studied abroad, I was I was in France and it was. It was kind of an in-between thing because obviously, like you said, you're there for uh, academic purposes, right? It's not a vacation. Uh, But at the same time, you don't have the same, um, what's the, you don't have the same responsibilities or anything like that as you would if you were a resident, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like in-between. But yeah, I kind of would get of, um, I don't know if it's pride or what, but just like feeling like, Oh, okay. I don't. I don't stand out as a tourist here. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> oh, no, it is a thing. It's kind of like all right. Like I'm. People can kind of see me as one of them. Like that's, that's a notable thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really, that's a really interesting feeling. It's like, um, I mean, I don't know about you. For me, it was almost like it was. It was encouraging, I guess. You know, like. Um, you know, even more motivation to continue trying to learn about the place I was in because I am not, I'm not trying to look through a tourist lens and right. the people that I interact with don't make it easy for me to slip into like a tourist, um, like the, you know, tourist mindset or whatever. So, um, I'm glad you were able to, to have that experience when you were in Geneva. Um, yeah. and then Berlin, I mean, did you, I'm assuming you had a good time in Berlin as well with your friend. Yeah. Um, and there, I mean, could you swing it with English there in, in Berlin or? It was, I think I actually found it a little more difficult than I expected it would be. Okay. Um, I think, cause I think German is a big enough language where people, they, they can kind of expect some people to have some basis of German knowledge yeah. if they are especially around from like from around Europe. Mm-hmm. There were a few times I recall that I was like like at a restaurant having trouble trying to like speak in English because I don't know any German and neither did my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you stick in like the main areas of the city, especially like perhaps where there are more tourists, people will speak English. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a total loss and get around just fine, but that was an experience where I kind of wish I knew language more. Mm. Okay. And, um, oh, yes. Okay, so back to Copenhagen. So while you were there, were you usually cooking for yourself, or did you eat out a lot? I tried to cook for myself as much, just because, much like most of Scandinavia, it was very expensive to eat out. Mm. Um, I mean, Prices there in general, the cost of living is much higher than what you would find here, and I wasn't I wasn't earning any income other yeah. than my scholarship stipend to help pay for it. So, cooking was a way for me to save money. It was a little hard because I didn't really have an actual kitchen. I just had like one of those hot plates and whatever <laughs> hand me down pots and pans that the yeah. program left behind, which were just like not great. Mm. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I made do, and I was able to cook. It was fun to, like, you know, go grocery shopping at the local stores and try and make my own food. Um, and it was nice when, like, sometimes it would turn into a little bit of a 
like a gathering, sometimes a little like dinner parties with people in the in the building. Mm. Um, so it was it was not an ideal cooking situation, but it was. I've, there are worse cooking situations to have. <laughs> right, right. Um, I only asked because, well, as you mentioned, it was it, it was expensive to eat out. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I'm wondering if you were able to try any like Danish cuisine. Um, when you did happen to eat out, or, I mean, I don't know if you were, some people go places and they try to go to the McDonald's in Denmark or the McDonald's right. in Geneva, the, you know, something like that. Um, but <laughs> were you able to try, when you did go out to eat, were you able to try any Danish dishes? I did. I'm, I'm definitely glad, like, I, I wish I could have tried more, but mm-hmm. just really practical, but I did try a couple of, um, Danish dishes, and I did save up to like have one nice like splurge meal at the end of my program oh, with nice. a friend. So just be like, all right, like you know, there there are really nice restaurants in Copenhagen, and I'm glad I at least got to try one of them. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. And how would you say like I'm obviously you didn't get to to survey all of the cuisine that was there, but what was your impression like? Was it good to you, or was it like? Lacking in this flavor had too much of this certain flavor. Like, <laughs> uh, I I enjoyed it. I don't know if it was um, something that I would be able to just eat every day mm. necessarily. It definitely is very heavy on seafood, which mm. makes sense given its geography. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, like I just never really grew fond of was like pickled herring was mm. really big and just has a, a taste that I never found fully pleasant I, like, I would eat it but it wasn't like wow I just can't wait to have some again but <laughs> yeah. um, otherwise like uh, a lot of the food in Copenhagen was just general anything you would find in any other major city like, you know they have their Middle Eastern food they have their Thai takeout places mm. have their raw vegan places um it's such, it, it is a contemporary city, so it did offer kind of of most anything that you would want in yeah. any other major American city. Mm. Okay, well, that's good to know. So I know this was not your first time going to a different country, um, but was this the longest time that you had spent outside of the states? Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, you were cutting out. Was this the longest time that you had spent outside of the states? Yes. Okay. Um, and how did your, you know, friends or family feel about that with you going away for, in hindsight, it might not have been so long, but, you know, at the time, maybe it might have seemed like a long time. How did your friends and family feel? I think my friends were excited. Um, I think, like, a lot of my friends were very like-minded in terms of understanding what it means to go abroad and study abroad and wanting to do the same for themselves. So they were all very supportive. Mm. And I think like just being in college, everyone is always busy over the summer. So it was, it's kind of like, yes, like, of course you would be doing something yeah. in the summer, whether you're working or taking classes or something. Like it was not totally weird to be gone for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my parents were, like, a little nervous about it. Um, They were definitely comforted by the fact that the program did a good job of taking care of a lot of logistics and making sure that 
like the students were accounted for properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think they were uh, just a little nervous and not fully sure if they understood the reasoning of studying abroad. Mm-hmm. But they were still like supportive nonetheless of saying like, okay, if this is important to you, then she's like, sure. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, as you, while you were there, uh, especially with your parents, were you able to keep in touch with them or show them what you were up to while you were gone? Uh, it definitely was harder because of the time difference. Mm -hmm. Just because it it wasn't really practical to like have regular conversations with them because I would be, busy and then by the time I wasn't busy anymore it would be the middle of the night for them so we exchanged like emails was kind of like our best way to keep in touch mm-hmm. like once every so often like send an email update or whatever um I, I like I'm not one even now where I, I'm not like always in constant communication with my family in that sense like I don't I don't call them every day I should probably call them more if I don't call them every day. <laughs> um, so being in the program wasn't too bad. And I think my parents wanted to give me space to enjoy my time there. And yeah, I, I think they were conscious of like not wanting to take up too much of my time while I'm abroad because I'm only there for six weeks. Mm-hmm. So as to like not to spend less time trying to talk to them on the phone and tell me what I'm doing. And I actually have more time to do things that I wanted to do while I'm there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that seems fair. That makes sense. Um, and you had mentioned earlier that you had um, you had wanted to study abroad, and then when you got this fellowship and we're trying to plan things out, this ended up, um, you know, Copenhagen ended up working out for you. Um, why why had you um, wanted to? Oh goodness, I'm losing my words today. <laughs> Why was it that you wanted to study abroad? Is that something you came into college wanting to do or something that developed uh, a little later on? Um, I don't know if I, like, it's hard to think back when I first started college. I think it was, like, something that I, like, you know, oh, some people study abroad. That would be cool if mm-hmm. I could do it. I never, like, thought much more of it. <laughs> like, I know my cousin um, who had graduated already, he had studied abroad before, and I'm like, that kind of, I guess, brought that idea into existence into my mind of, like, what would it be like to study abroad? Mm-hmm. Um, I had initially thought that I would study abroad in France because I was, I was studying French all throughout high school and I decided to minor in French. Right. Um, so, like, I always had in my mind, like, okay, like, I think it would be great to study abroad to practice my language skills, which mm-hmm. I ultimately didn't do, but that was, <laughs> I think that kind of, like, spurred my interest in wanting to study abroad. Okay. Um, and then my academic interests changed, so I, I, I thought I wanted to be pre-med at first, and then that changed into international studies, and I just kind of felt like it would be defeating to study international studies and have this such a strong curiosity about what the world looks like without trying to take an opportunity to go abroad if I could. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, like, very opportunistic that I would, like, I have this burgeoning academic interest and personal interest, but also was now into that sustainability fellowship that yeah. gave me a substantial amount of money to study abroad. And that just kind of was like, oh, yes, like I, this is what I needed to like push myself and go on a study abroad program. Okay. 
right. So everything kind of came together in its own way for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. And so since you were going there on a fellowship, were all of your costs covered? Um, even like, or maybe all, all your costs, but you still had to pay for your flight? Or, you know, how did that work out in terms of the, the financial uh, burden or lack thereof that you had to sure. deal with? Sure. Um, they, the program that I went, that fellowship that I did, um, they just provided like a lump sum scholarship, mm. um, which on the student end, in my experience, I think was helpful in terms of just being able to use that and allocate that money however is appropriate instead of having to like submit receipts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, okay, I'm going on this program. They gave me the money and I was able to use that toward the flights, toward um, cost of living, toward tuition or however else I needed to use that money. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't cover everything, unfortunately, but I was able to find a couple other scholarships to help subsidize my study abroad program so that the total cost ended up being just about the same that I would have paid for um, summer classes domestically. Oh, okay. So it it wasn't like an ideal situation, but it also made it much more tangible than having to dig deeper into my pocket to make this possible. Yeah. Um, Do you think if you hadn't had your fellowship and weren't trying to um, go in the subject area that you were looking for, do you think you would have still gone to Copenhagen? Um, or would you have been more likely to go to France or somewhere else? Yeah, I think I would have been more likely to go on a program that was sponsored by my university. Because mm. I think the trick with going on third-party programs is that it's the school might not necessarily have as much scholarships in place for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It, this program was definitely more expensive than had I gone on something that the school offered. Mm. And I think had I not been offered the scholarship, I probably would have been on a different program that would, I'm sure, still have been just as wonderful and meaningful of an experience, but perhaps not quite what I was really hoping for. Yeah. Okay. And do you feel like you got out of um, your program in Copenhagen? Do you feel like you got out of it what you needed, what you were looking for at the time? I think so. Yeah, I think in in ways that transcend what I was looking for in my academic program, I think it was just overall such a meaningful experience that I, I still think about today that of what it was like to be abroad and mm-hmm. be a student, but also be able to like have that time in such a different place than what I would ever experience here in the United States. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite part either about your your studies or like the the field experiences that you had as part of your studies anything a favorite part about that or a favorite part about just being in Copenhagen I think like because like one of the things about the class that I was taking in because it was like an urban design course and it was taught we studied a lot about like what makes places very enjoyable what what are the characteristics of a good public space or a park or something Mm -hmm. and so naturally, it made sense to like study that and go on all these trips and and see different areas of the city, but also 
after studying it to be able to enjoy it myself, mm. I think was such a wonderful experience to just hang out with a friend after class and just do what I was studying, like yeah. enjoy the things that I've learned about what makes this place so great and just sit in the park and enjoy it. Yeah. That's so interesting. I never, I never really think about things like that. Like what makes a city enjoy? Well, obviously it's like, if you're living in a place, you have things that you think could be better, things you like or dislike. Right. But in terms of like, from a design standpoint, like making a city more enjoyable for the people mm. who live in it, that's really, that's an interesting viewpoint that I don't regularly consider. Um, wow, yeah, that sounds like it'd be something really fascinating to <laughs> to learn about, you know? Um, okay, and... Do you think, do you have any desire to return to Denmark at all? I do. I, I've been really tempted to go back. I think I, like, in my mind, you know, that's the reason why I haven't gone back, is that, like, if I'm going to spend the money to travel internationally, I, I want to see somewhere new. Mm, yeah. There's so much of the world that I want to see that, like, I would love to go back to Copenhagen, but also, like, there's a lot of other cities that I want to visit where... I could use that same amount of money and go to another place that I have been wanting to go to for so long. It, it's hard to like, it, it, unless I have like unlimited time off and unlimited money, like I would totally be going back to Copenhagen way more often. But yeah. For now, I'll, I'll have to be a little bit more strategic <laughs> with how I spend my vacations. Mm-hmm. Um, what other places do you have in mind in terms of like new places you haven't gone to yet that you'd like to go? I I finally made my first trip to Asia this year. I went to Hong Kong in March. And I think that just kind of made me more and more interested in seeing more of Asia. Like, I had... Now, I feel like I have gotten my fair share of going to Europe um, and going to different European countries. And those were all, like, great experiences, but it's just so different to be in a different region of the world. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see Seoul. I would love to see Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And, and Seoul. Um, I would also love, I realize like I've never actually traveled anywhere in the global South, but going to like mm-hmm. Sao Paulo would be really great or Rio de Janeiro, um, Cape Town, Johannesburg. Um, I would love to go to Morocco, mm-hmm. anywhere in North Africa. Um, yeah, I think there's just, there's a lot of other places that I would love to see, and Copenhagen's great, but it's hard to compete with what I like. I can only even I can only imagine what these other places would be like to see for yeah. myself. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. If you've been there, it's not to say that you've seen all there is to see or done all there is to do right. in Copenhagen, but you kind of have kind of checked that off your list already. So you kind of want to see what else is out there, you know? Right. Uh, and that makes perfect sense, you know? Um, I hope one day that you are able to go to all those places that interest you. Um, and hopefully maybe one day also return to Copenhagen, you know? <laughs> However that works out, I don't know. Um, <laughs> do you... Uh, but thinking about uh, Copenhagen, do you have... Um, like, based on your own experience, do you mm-hmm. have, like, any... Uh, major takeaways or advice that you would like to share with someone who wants to study abroad or just to like travel more um, 
Anything that comes to mind for you? Yeah. Um, I think, like, so traveling alone Mm -hmm. was really great. And I recommend if you're able to study abroad and you have the time and some resources available still, like, if you could somehow budget, like, a little excursion, definitely take advantage of being abroad, um, especially, like, in Europe, since everything is so close to Europe and there's cheap flights once you're in the area mm-hmm. that if, if you can manage to do that definitely go and if you can find a way to travel alone I think traveling alone is a very a very powerful experience for some people and understandably not all areas are as great to travel alone to um, so on, on that note I think to also be mindful of traveling alone um, I think people always tell me that, like, I'm really brave for traveling alone, but I also remind them that I'm very calculated mm-hmm. in what I'm doing. Like, I know where I'm going. I'm going to a very developed place. I can speak the language. Mm-hmm. I know how to get around. I do my research. Like, traveling alone, like, sure, there's some aspects of it's brave, but there's also a very practical aspect of, like, you, you should also be mindful of what you're doing when you're traveling. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, like, advice for students who are looking to study abroad is that, like, there are resources, whether or not they're at your specific school or university, but even other organizations, there are so many organizations and donors and people who are very supportive of students having experiences abroad, and it can seem like a little bit of a burden, especially if you're dealing with like a full academic course load or working on the side to try and... Um, to try and study abroad and like find funding for it, but if to just put in a look, put in some more effort, it might be a little bit of a pinch, but the reward is so worth it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. Thank you for sharing that insight. Um, oh yes, and a question I meant to ask. So um, there might not be any connection at all, but with you. Um, you know, deciding to move out to, uh, is it Tacoma? Is that where you are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to move out to, to Washington, um, and kind of just see how things fall, like where you land and trying to, you know, find your place there. Um, having the, the courage to do that, was that influenced at all by your time? in you know in Copenhagen or in Europe uh like had your previous travel international travel experiences influenced you at all to be able to make that choice to move out to Washington the way you did um I think there's a little part of that that definitely was inspired by like I mentioned when I traveled to Geneva by myself it was kind of the first time I did that Mm -hmm. and for me I think that was kind of like an awakening of something that I knew about myself but never could confirm that like I'm capable of handling things I'm capable of doing new things and trying new things and for me going to Geneva proved that like yes I can travel on my own I can I'm I'm an independent person and I know I've known that about myself and I know what I have what it takes to make sure that I will stand on my own two feet mm-hmm. and so that's what was I think um moving out here was kind of riding off of that energy of saying like I know this is like 
I don't really have a clear picture of what everything's going to look like in the future, but I know that I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I know that, like, I I will do what it takes to be okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think all that is really cool, and uh, I'm glad things are working out for you again. Um, yeah, I think that's it's always good to see being able to take a risk and having it work out, um, even if it's not as you expected or, you know, <laughs> not as you may have envisioned. Um, okay. I think that is it from me, unless you have something else that you wanted to share that I didn't ask you about. I think one other piece of advice I would say for, um, like studying abroad would be to like try and reflect as much as possible on your experience, whether that's like journaling. I think journaling is very helpful. And I did that a good amount when I was abroad, mm-hmm. um, even just like writing a ledger of what you're doing or, talking with like your classmates or whoever I think reflecting is a really good way to just kind of take a step back and think about what you're actually experiencing and learning mm-hmm. it and those are the kind of things that will I think stay with you as you think about it in years past yeah yeah I totally agree do you still have your journals from that time I do okay. I do good good so it's like a nice little keepsake or a nice little window um back into the past I guess you could say (laughs) yeah okay all right well um last question do you have um is there any way that people can reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so sure um I think like the best way to keep in or find what I'm up to is probably on my Instagram um find me at um, Mr. K Chung, spelled out M I S T E R K C H U N G. Okay. And that's the best way. Mr. Yeah. K Chung on Instagram. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, well, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me today. It's been, again, it's been really nice to meet you. I appreciate you sharing about your experiences and, um, I hope you have a great evening. Yes, it's evening. <laughs> I'm, <sorry. laughs> I'm trying to calculate the time zones in my head. Yes, it's still evening over there. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah, I ho- hope you enjoy the rest of your evening and you have a great weekend and all that. And, um, yeah, hopefully you'll be able to keep in touch. And um, we'll talk to you soon. I'll let you know when this comes out and everything. Awesome. Thanks so much, Daniel. It was a pleasure talking with you, and I look forward to hearing the episode when it comes out. All right. Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) All right. Bye, Kevin. Bye. (laughs) All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Kevin for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, or Stitcher. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So, uh, obviously, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, there won't be an episode next week. Uh, gonna take like a month-long break or so and come back in January. Um, 
So next week, or see, see, <laughs> next time you hear from me, uh, the guest, um, I can say for now, the guest will not be another friend of Irene's, uh, at least not for for the time being. <laughs> um, and that's it. That's all I'll say for now. Um, also, I uh, would like to announce that I am going to be doing um, bi-weekly instead of weekly. So uh, I don't mind doing the work to, to put this out every week. I actually really look forward to it. But I think trying to go bi-weekly will uh, help me avoid some issues that I ran into the in recent months. And also, uh, we'll give y'all a chance to miss the podcast a little bit. I hope. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Uh, maybe like first quarter 2019. We'll see how the bi-weekly thing goes. Uh, and might switch back to weekly or who knows. But uh, just so no one is surprised, uh, bi-weekly every other week, which means uh, two episodes a month is how often you can expect to hear Young, Gifted, and Abroad in 2019. Um, so before I say goodbye, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has um, participated as a guest on this podcast, everyone who's listened to this podcast, shared it, talked about it, whatever, um, anyone who's had something to do <laughs> with this show coming together and continuing on, I, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Uh, this is something that I had not expected to be doing when 2018 started, but hey, what do you know? Look where I am now. Look where we all are now um and this has been just one of the greatest blessings of my year so thank you so much um look forward to the next episode of young gifted and abroad in january 2019 um and until then talk to you next time